Listening Dog Media. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes! Oh, yes! The offside rule we get it is brought to you by Continental Tires. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Offside Rule. We get it, brought to you by Continental Tyres. It's another roundup of the three wonderful ladies in charge of this darn thing. Myself, Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen. Hello, girls. Hello. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> uh, we love spending our time with you. And today is no exception. Coming up on the show, we have split shirts. Not literally, before anyone's thinking of tearing the shirt off a football players back but what about players uh, but what about players who have grown up supporting one team and end up playing for their rival this was inspired by harry kane i'll give you more detail a bit later on but um, have a little think at home folks or wherever you're listening to this on the number two bus perhaps about examples that you can think of can I weave in Cristiano Ronaldo so I can talk about something? So he played for Sporting Lisbon, but then he ended up admitting that he actually supported Benfica at some point. So that, that might be in there. But the reason why I want to bring him up, and neither of us can have that one now, um, <laughs> is because did you see the YouTube clip of him in disguise walking through the streets yeah. of Madrid? As a homeless person. And then he saw a little boy playing football and went and played with him, took off his disguise, oh. and everyone goes into raptures. Wow. So how, so how not to stay in disguise if you're Cristiano Ronaldo? Don't approach anyone and have a little bit of a knockabout on the street because it becomes patently obvious that you're not really a homeless person. Twitter topic of the week is back to folks and African impression. We're going to be speaking about the Africa Cup of Nations, things that have left a last lasting impression off us. We know that we were touting players to look out for a couple of weeks ago. So now the tournament's finished and congratulations to Ivory Coast. What a dramatic end. What a great end to a tournament that's been um, marred with not only sort of violence problems, but also... So the uh, problem of where to hold the thing in the first place up steps Equatorial Guinea and kind of saves the day. But yeah, a great end to quite a controversial tournament this year. We are also going to be looking at stars who are born. Um, I covered the Merseyside Derby on Saturday and I really, really like the look of Jordan Ibe. I'm not the only one. It's not his debut performance for the team, but it's his debut Merseyside Derby. 
not intimidated at all. Fair old age of 19, he cruised on through. He scored a brilliant goal. And you talk about the Merseyside derby because that's where your your interest was. But we have to mention the North London yeah. derby and Harry Kane as well. Another, another youngster impressing. And he's just holding his nerve and being, being talked about in different realms now to what he was two or three months ago. Don't forget, you can tune in to listen to us via Audio Boom. You can download us via iTunes. Our YouTube channel, The Offside Rule TV, you can take a look at some footage there. Our Twitter account, always busy, at Offside Rule Pod. And our fabulous website too. It was revamped last week, folks. Do check it out. There's lots of new content, fresh content going up every day. Things like ref review, things that you've learned from the week. I've done a few match reports for it myself. And we've got some Premier League predictions this week where our pundit, Mark Young, goes up against Lindsay Hipbrave from BT Sports. So pop over to the website and have a look. And it's not Lindsay Hooper, by the way. It's Lindsay Hipgrave. And we love Lindsay Hipgrave. But Lindsay Hooper, you often get mistaken for her, right? Yeah. And one of my old agents, not my current agents, but (laughs) my old agent actually thought he'd heard me on Five Live doing, because she used to do the traffic and travel and said, you didn't tell me you were doing that for a job. I was like, well, that's Lindsay Hipgrave and she's a Geordie. Um, So hopefully people can tell the difference. The female take on football. Topic number one, let's get cracking with that. A star is born. As I said, I watched the Merseyside derby at the weekend. Jordan Ibe, fantastic performance from him. But some of these players arrive on the scene and they're fantastic and they stay fantastic. That's the minority, isn't it? The majority, we see all these young flashes of talent, these young starlets come through the ranks and then we don't see them again. It could be that it's like Arsenal where they're not properly developed or they don't move them on enough for them to feature in the first team and Arsene Wenger's really picky about who might play for the team in an FA Cup or a League Cup game and then who might end up making the first team. Well, when I give you one of my examples, we might work out why Arsene Wenger's not so keen to do that because <laughs> I'll, t- I'll give you an example of why maybe you shouldn't. He's been criticised before, isn't he, for not uh, properly backing young English players. But I'd like you each to pick a youngster who burst onto the scene, one who maintained their star quality and became a huge success and another young starlet who fizzled without, that's my fizzle, without a trace. Hayley McQueen. So without a trace, it sounded more like a trump, Kate. (laughs) It did. Well, this is my trump card, one of the best footballers to have ever played. When you talk about the best footballer in the world, he is always up there. It is Ronaldo, not Cristiano, but the other one. We've mentioned him on a previous Mm -hmm. podcast. And, of course, he burst onto the scene 1993. What, Lindsay? What? I got some tweets about that. People, I thought people were calling me Chubby Chub um, Lindsay, but it, it was because I'd mentioned Chubby Chub Ronaldo. Oh, yes, of course. And I like your use of burst because he burst onto the scene and now he's kind of about to burst isn't he bursting out the seams literally (laughs) well he actually made his uh, big debut at the age of 16 a professional debut was back in may 1993 um and it was against Caldense in the uh, Minas Gerais State Championship. That's right. <laughs> but he came to the... I have no idea what that means, but just making sure I provide you with the facts. He came to national public um, attention in 1993 in November, so later on uh, that year, scoring five goals in a game against Bahia. And this was when he was at Cruzeiro. He scored 44 goals in 47 games. So they knew that he was destined uh, for great things. He'd been in all the papers in his native country with everyone tipping him to be a great. And, of course, he went on to be uh, an absolute brilliant star. Um, luckily, he didn't stay uh, out in Brazil. We, we got him over in Europe and he played over here, obviously famously for Real Madrid 
Madrid and AC Milan Corinthians he finished his career at in uh, 2011. And the list of honours just goes on and on and on. I was going to list a few big things that he's won. I think we know all the, the great tournaments that he has played in. Um, he won the player of the decade um, in Italian football as well in Syria. Ah, that's one thing I didn't know. Uh, but obviously playing in the World Cups as he did. And he was one of these kids that luckily at the age of 16, sometimes you, you tip them for greatness. And by the age of 19, they flopped and they're playing in some, you know, unpronounceable team in South America somewhere. But we were really lucky, actually, that not only did he play brilliant football out in Brazil, but that we got to see him playing in Europe. Yeah, he was one of those players when he arrived on the scene that he was he always had the physicality to be able to last. He was almost mature beyond his years, I think, when he arrived on the scene. I'm going to nip in there before we go across to Lindsay and put Cesc Fabregas into the par. We kind of forget how he arrived on the scene and became really an instant hit with Arsenal. He was signed from Barcelona at the age of 16. It did take him a couple of seasons to break through. Injury meant that really his first key season as a midfielder for the club was 2004-2005. He went on to establish himself as a regular starter and as a linchpin within that team and his skill was lauded as well. He broke loads of club records. I won't go into all the details. We all know how good he was and earned a reputation as one of Arsenal Wenger's young, you know, key young players. He then, of course, returned to Barcelona and there were questions really raised as to whether he would be able to secure his place in the team. But although, you know, he had competition from the likes of Xavi and Iniesta, he did secure a place there and became a regular goal scorer during his three seasons there. Of course, Barcelona won the league title uh, in 2013 as well. He's come back to Chelsea and I think his quality is still there. He's still got the potential, unlike some of the people that we might be talking about whose career kind of went uh, a bit nosedive into their mid-twenties. Cesc Fabregas has maintained his skill and his talent. Yeah, I think he's been sensational. I think he's been one of the best players in the Premier League this season, probably after Eden Hazard, to be honest, at Chelsea. Um, I'm going to go for a player who made his debut for Liverpool when he was just 17 years old, came through the ranks, and everyone's screaming, I know, Michael Owen. <laughs> you all know who I'm talking about. Um, he was to be the youngest player um, to be capped by his country in 100 years for England. Um, he went on, of course, to play for Real Madrid as well as Liverpool and then Manchester United, where he finished his career. So three big clubs there. Played in major tournaments, um, lit lit up the first major tournament he ever played in, if you remember. Uh, five major tournaments in total, three World Cups. Um, he was also the last British winner of the Ballon d'Or back in 2001. Um, so that, that's an accolade in itself. Um, he at the age of 24, had played 316 games in total for club and country. But there comes my warning. There comes the warning. By 24 to have played that many, he then got played by injury. We know what Michael Owen's story ends up like. We know that the Manchester United part of his career didn't go as well. Um, Real Madrid didn't really either in in the sense that these injuries just plagued him. That would be my warning when we've talked about this topic and been inspired by the likes of Jordan Ibe and Harry Kane is that you play young players before they're properly developed. I think any anybody pre-21, they're still growing and there's a potential to have long-term injuries or certainly weaknesses. And that's such a shame. Um, we also know that Jamie Redknapp was a player that suffered uh, with injuries as well and had such great star potential. Michael Owen, he still managed to get all the success. So he is in the success side of the stories. 
but there would be so many that wouldn't be and so many that have fallen by the wayside probably because of injury. Do you know, I saw his debut, Selhurst Park, 1997, came on for Liverpool and I was based in London at the time, would often go and see Liverpool um, against the London sides and yeah, privileged enough to say that I saw him on his debut, little Mickey Owen. When you were at primary school, Kate. Yeah, Yeah, I was really young, really, really young. Now I want you to heed a word of warning, please, ladies. Pick out a player who burst onto the scene and then fizzled out to nothing. And if you can, um, I'd like to know the lesson learned. So if you were that player or if you were advising that player at the time, what would you have changed in that player's career to perhaps give them a longer career than they ended up having. Hayley? I think sometimes it's outside factors and it's the outside things, the vices of what could be happening in London. We mentioned Ibe there, we'll chat about him a little bit more, but the fact he's 19, he's not playing for a big club in London. He's Yes, I know there's still nightlife in Liverpool and Manchester, but there's not quite the problems that you can encounter by living in a big city like London where there's too much going on outside, but sometimes players just can't be helped. Michael Johnson, one of those Manchester City, really, really sad story when his contract had been paid off just a couple of uh, years ago real potential as an England international hailed as this you know wonder kid coming through um he broke into the city team at 18 um and as much as he kind of rose to our attention disappeared almost as quickly as well it's really sad I was reading the, the the interview with him in the Manchester Evening News after he was released from Manchester City and he was saying that he'd been actually under treatment for, for many many years and gone to the Priory for mental health problems so sometimes at a club you can't help a player just from you know the coaching side of things you actually need you know psychologists to come in you need education side of things that is so important at PFA making sure with other problems again re-highlighted by by Clark Carlisle that they need to be in there helping out players who are just a little bit wayward I guess you have to say and it's not because he was out clubbing and drinking although those a lot of pressure a lot of pressure and it gets to people in different ways and he said actually now he just wants to be grateful that he could be just left alone to live the rest of his life um, but obviously it, it, it did all end really really sadly um, Sven Joran Eriksson said he was an exceptional player and that everyone thought he would become the next big star uh, for England even Michael Ballack said that he was um, outstanding and Dietmar Hamann as well hailed him as one of the ones to watch Mancini said he was a guy with big talent and he's really sad for him there are so many warning signs out there Lindsay Hooper over to you I'm going for a player that Arsene Wenger did dust off his wallet to buy um, we know that Everton produced some great talent Wayne Rooney over the years Ross Barkley at the moment let's keep an eye on Ross Barkley though he's not having the season that he had last season is he but Arsene Wenger did dust off his wallet he paid eight million pounds for Francis Jeffers from Everton do you remember Jeffers yeah. Franny Jeffers do you know he made one England appearance uh, Sven Joran Eriksson called him up and it happened to be in the same team where a young Wayne Rooney made his debut Ooh. there you go um he racked up that England cap, but he just didn't do much apart from that. Um, it, went, it went downhill, really. He did score in that England debut, but England lost against Australia 3-1. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then what happened to him afterwards? No, nothing, really. Um, it was one of those tragic cases of got that opportunity, didn't really grasp it with both hands for whatever reason, and Francis Jeffers not to really be talked about again. And that's probably why, as I alluded to in the intro, um, Arsene Wenger is very reluctant <laughs> to part money on young players. It's Franny's fault. It's Franny's fault, yeah. Um, I'm going to go Joe Cole, actually. He was a child prodigy. I didn't know this, OK. Um, 
a young uh, England youth team played the Spain youth team. And this would have been when all the young, you know, technically gifted Spanish players were coming through. England scored eight goals in that game against Spain and Joe Cole scored seven of them. So he was lauded. He was actually quite lauded within the media as well. He was a product of the West Ham youth system, as many know. Apparently Manchester United wanted to pay £10 million, uh, for his services as a 16-year-old. So he was touted from a very, very young age all the way through to his teenage years. I've got a funny story about him. So when I was on the sidelines watching from, from a bench um, when he was playing for West Ham and he was, he was on the substitute bench. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and he was asked to go and, and warm up and, and then asked to go on. And he tried to put the shirt on when he'd still got his, his oh, fluorescent bib on. Oh. So all the players are like, oh, Joe, you need to take that off first. <laughs> yeah. Do you not know how to take your bib off, Joe? A bit of a, a bit of a Balotelli moment there. Um, Cole played brilliantly for West Ham, was part of West Ham's FA Youth Cup winning side. They beat Coventry 9-0 on aggregates in the final for that one. He was given the captain's armband at West Ham at 21. I think it just all happened a little bit too early. He was always celebrated because of his technical skill. And this was a time in our game when we were changing the way that we looked at it. Suddenly, all the young Spanish stars were showing great technique and skill, and that had been nurtured from a young age. In fact, they only played five-a-side football up to quite far in their teenage years to try and nurture this skill. Joe Cole had that skill, but he didn't move it on. So Joe Cole's career moved on, but the rest of the league almost, because of the foreign imports and because of the way that, that, that we've started coaching our youngsters now, the rest of the league caught up with Joe Cole. So my advice to Joe Cole, obviously he went on to Chelsea, he did fantastically for them, but then his career just petered out. He had a disaster at Liverpool, um, went off to Lille, he was fairly good there, but you could argue that perhaps love him, but Lille aren't perhaps the best marker of uh, exceptional talent. And my word of warning to Joe Cole would, would be if you've got this innate skill if you've got this insane amount of talent you've you've got to keep growing it you can't just be talented and skillful and sit with that you've got to keep developing your skill because otherwise everyone else as happened in the premier league caught up with him and he no longer became this amazing epiphany of a child talent hi i'm matt letitia and you're listening to the offside rule three girls talking about football Some great nominations there in our Star is Born category. Thanks very much, ladies. Let's move on to the Africa Cup of Nations, a sensational finish to the tournament that was uh, certainly marred with a bit of controversy. We know that you nominated some players to watch out for a couple of weeks ago, but this time round, I want you to give me two highlights from the tournament, two things that impressed you the most. Could be a player, team, venue, fans, anything you like at all. Lindsay, I'm going to head over to you for this one. I'm going to have a Wolves reference, of oh. course. Oh. What? How on earth? Bakary Sacco, that's how on earth. Oh. His left-footed volley against the Ivory Coast. I'm going Bakary Sacco, our creative player that we managed to hang on to in the January transfer window. I couldn't be happier. Love him. Thought he had a great tournament. Bakary Sacco is getting a mention. <laughs> um, now, Kate will say... If there was any player on the pitch that you love to give a mention to in terms of position, who is it that you always love to mention? Would that be a goalkeeper? I'm sure that Hayley McQueen is a mind reader here because Kate Bosse was looking at me very blankly. Thank you for pitching yeah. in there that you actually know what she talks about more than us. I just love the fact that the hero of the day was a goalkeeper called Barry. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just Barry. That's right. So are you going with Baza or are you going with someone else, another goalkeeper? I'm going with another one. Oh, oh. perhaps it's the 
same as mine. Felipe? Yeah. Avono? Avono. Oh, you are. <laughs> I see, I knew you loved a goalkeeper because you've chosen it as well. I did this one especially for you. Um, yeah, it was Equatorial Guinea, wasn't he? Um, brilliant performance. Um, he's just 21 years old, which is why I've mentioned him. I think at his age, and he's just slightly bigger than six foot tall, I think. Um, I think he's got a lot going for him. He was one of the standout goalkeepers, although Barry, of course, as, <laughs> as Hayley's mentioned, also had some great performances. I just think he might be a future goalkeeper that we might see either in the Premier League or Europe. I think he'll make a big money move at some point. Certainly. I'm going to nip in with my vote. It goes to Avram Grant. He's one of those managers, isn't he, that just pops up from time to time. And inherently, he always does. I mean, I know he got ridiculed at Chelsea, but actually he didn't do badly at Chelsea, really. He always pops up from time to time, managing some completely random team around the world and does a good job. He's done the same thing. I'm not saying that Ghana are completely random, but they're not perhaps one of the world-beating teams, although there's, they've always been the, been the nearly team, Ghana. They've got the, all the potential there. Avram Grant took over the side in November last year, and my, oh my, has he done a good job. I know that they lost out in the final, but the fact that he took that Ghanaian team who had such a tumultuous World Cup, you know, all the controversy about their pay and then the Ghanaian government helicoptered in some money that led one of their players, I can't remember who, to kind of waft those banknotes around, completely irking the Ghanaian population who, of course, struggle for money quite a bit at the time. Um, so to, to kind of come from all that, this summer to reaching the final of the Africa Cup of Nations some seven months later, I think is quite some achievement. Can I tell you why I think Avram Grant's had that effect, though? Because personally, he scares me. <laughs> he, I don't know what it is about him. You know when someone's really, really quiet and has a bit of a look? He looks like um, Mr Burns at The Simpsons a little bit, doesn't he? He's got that Simpsons look going on. The narrow eyes... There's something about Avram Grant that really gives me the eebie-jeebies. He's slightly sinister looking, isn't he? He's got quite kind of dark bags under his eyes, which sort of, and, and, and very, very pale skin, which kind of adds to the sinisterness of his look. Um, not only did he achieve great things in this tournament by getting Ghana to the final, but he also did it without key names. Kevin Prince-Boteng, Michael Essien, Suleiman Tari as well, all without those standout Ghanaian players. Although, you'd say that they're all knocking on a bit. They are all knocking on a bit, but they are your backbone. They are the guys who are going to inspire the younger team to push forward and perform and add a couple of years as well obviously yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so for me and by the way he got the best out of Asamoah Gyan who led that Ghanaian team to the, to the final oh, you put the fear of life up him that's what happened <laughs> And uh, Christian Atsu as well. He scored a fantastic goal. If we're talking about goals, he oh, scored a great goal during he, the that tournament. Was actually better than Bakary Sacco's, but you know, <laughs> there's no Wolves link there. Uh, Chelsea, but he's on loan, isn't he, at uh, Everton at the moment, Christian Atsu. So, yeah, um, a great time for Ghanaian football and they seem to have found in Avram Grant a very good manager. He's actually lovely, Avram. We've had him in to Sky Sports News as a guest quite a bit. He's, he's quite a quiet man. Yes, he comes in and kind of lurches about. But he's a yeah, I don't like Yeah, but he's he's a really, really lovely person, actually. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Well, there's a few things that stood out for me. One of them, um, a Peterborough player actually played um, and he went off. Is that what <laughs> in, he stood out? In the game. <laughs> Um, for DR Congo uh, and reached the last four, um, Gabriel Zakouani. He actually went down. He was injured. Okay. The medical buggy in the quarterfinal between DR Congo and Congo, so a big game, mm. came to rescue him and ran over him. <laughs> oh, <did> it? <laughs> it completely 
ran over him. He used to play for Leighton Orient, didn't look very happy about it either. It was like, what on earth is going on? He had a really bad week. He actually tweeted on transfer deadline day a picture from the end of his bed in this, oh, it was a god-awful room with this tiny little telly with like um like a coat hanger aerial sticking out of the top of it on top of a ramshackled oh, um, set of drawers saying, can anyone please help me with what's happening in these transfers? We don't seem to get a signal here. It's like the poor guy's laid up injured having been run over by the medical buggy during his big moment. I love the fact that there's a public holiday on Monday for um, all the supporters of Ivory Coast. That's right. A huge. They declared a complete day off and that was it. They won their first uh, Nations Cup title in nearly quarter of a century. So they said that's it because it was their neighbours and it was such a big game. They were going to have a public holiday. I also like the fact that so many players involved in this, 368 players from the 16 teams, that's right, come from 243 different clubs in 57 countries across four continents. So they spread far and wide. And so many big clubs were represented as well. Um, top clubs, Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester City, Roma, Borussia Dortmund, and as well, youngsters from Real Madrid and Barcelona uh, were also involved there. So there you go, just a, a few of the highlights. There you go. So some highlights and our best moments from the Africa Cup of Nations. What better way to segue from Africa through to Bristol. It's Sean Thorne and our Twitter Topic of the Week. Twitter Topic of the Week. I think there's got to be something in the air for epic penalty shootouts at the moment with uh, West Ham relying on Adrian to not only save but score uh, their winning penalty in uh, the FA Cup replay with Everton all those weeks ago. Uh, but the Africa Cup of Nations final ending in similar style with, uh, with old Barry stepping up and bringing the, uh, the cup back to the Ivory Coast. Such a fan of that situation. Uh, so this week, uh, we've been asking you for your favourite penalty-related moments and incidents. Uh, Scott Cowling, uh, he's just given a nod to the numerous failures of our national side in a penalty shootout. So we're off to a glum start here, but uh, Brian Moore, he's picking things up for, for well, for non-Chelsea fans anyway, by uh, mentioning John Terry slipping over in Moscow. Um, uh, Alan, he's gone for that as well. Best shootout ever, 2008 Champions League final. The best ever penalty, John Terry's, his tears of joy. His tears of despair. Brilliant. I think Alan's uh, reveling in that one a li- little bit too much. Uh, Neil, for uh, he's gone one which has uh, been the best for the neutral, which was Charlton versus Sunderland in the playoff final. So just to give you a little bit of background on that match, uh, it was uh, the 1998 playoff final, um, 4-4 after extra time, and then 7-6 on penalties. Amazing stuff. My cousin's uh, husband's a massive Charlton fan, and he says that's one of the best matches he's ever seen. Great shout from Neil there. And uh, Steve, I like this one from Steve. Steve's gone for one of his own penalty efforts. Uh, He once hit a penalty off one post, rolled along the goal line and in off the other post. Heartbreak to ecstasy. I don't know what a keeper was up to during all this uh, rolling situation, but still, I'm loving loving the shout, Steve. Uh, So cheers to everyone who got involved for this week's Twitter topic of the week. I've been Sean Thorne and I will hand you back to the girls. Lovely tones of Sean Thorne there. Thanks very much, Sean. Our final topic, split shirts. You have to be careful how you say that one. The Daily Mail. 
it uncovered a picture of Tottenham's Harry Kane celebrating Arsenal's Invincibles Premier League title win when he was 10. Although Kane has said that he only did it because he had to, and it's not the first time, is it, that we've seen a well-known footballer uh, ending up playing for a rival of the team that they supported as a kid. So uh, give me some examples, please, ladies. Footballers having to defect for the sake of their career. Right. This is mine, and it comes from the northeast. Lots and lots of players, well, quite a few of mine are players um, from Middlesbrough and guys that I know. Lee Catamol absolutely loves Middlesbrough, hometown team. The Sunderland captain, that's right. (laughs) Danny Graham at Sunderland, who started his career at Middlesbrough. Well, he's a big Newcastle fan. He's played all over the North East for Leeds United, Darlington as well. But no, he is a Newcastle fan, born in Gateshead. So there you have it. Um, Pat Nevin apparently stopped supporting Celtic as an adult cut himself off from being a Celtic fan. You kind of wonder how hard it must be being a fan of one club as a kid than playing for another. Do you still secretly harbour a love for that other team? You've got uh, Leanne Sanderson, apparently a Manchester United fan and received a lot of stick for it when she signed for Arsenal. She's also played for Chelsea as well, but of course, Man United, take note, don't have a ladies team yet. There you have it. Uh, Balotelli, well known that he was a big supporter of Milan when he was playing for Inter. And Cassano as well supported Inter when he was playing for tons of other teams. I'm going to ruin a few people's illusions here because I'm picking out a couple of players that you would only associate really with one club. So anyone who's a Chelsea fan, you might want to avert your ears because John Terry, he might be blue all the way through, but there's a little bit of red under there somewhere because apparently Manchester United fan when he was a boy. Uh, Also, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who we only associated with Manchester United. Hayley McQueen, you worked at MUTV. Did you ever ask him about being a Liverpool fan? (gasps) No! Yeah, when he was a boy, apparently he supported Liverpool. Um, Others... The Liverpool to blue, and, and I mean this from the Evertonian side of Liverpool rather than uh, than Chelsea. Uh, you've got quite a few players that played for Liverpool that as schoolboys were Everton fans, including Michael Owen, apparently. Ian Rush, can you believe that? Jamie Carragher, Steve McManaman and Robbie Fowler. Now, I don't know whether all of those are right. That's going through a bit of a speculative website that I found. Um <laughs> So maybe that that's not all true. I mentioned at the start about Cristiano Ronaldo. He liked um, he liked Benfica when he was actually having most of his career at Sporting Lisbon. That's certainly what launched him and catapulted him to fame. Um, Micah Richards, Manchester City star, wasn't he? Um, lifelong Arsenal fan, apparently was dying for a move to Arsenal. He was hoping Arsene Wenger would come calling, but he never did. Uh, I think I think I'll leave it there. Speaking of Jamie Carragher, in his autobiography, he mentions that, of course, many Liverpool fans believed, and it was folklore, really, for years, that he had an Everton tattoo about his body. I think he ended up pretty much having to strip off to prove that that was not the case. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I've heard that he uh, supported Everton as a youngster, too. Jack Colback, he was born on Tyneside and was an avid Newcastle fan long before he signed for Sunderland's Academy at the age of 10. Happy days, though, because he, of course, left Sunderland and went to Newcastle United, the club he supported as a nipper. So uh, it all worked out fine for Jack Colback. Looking at female players, you mentioned Leanne Sanderson, Hayley, Becky Easton. She's a scouser. She um, has had two stints at Everton and two stints at Liverpool. I think she's a Liverpool fan. Don't quote me on this, but whatever the case, she's played twice for the rival team. 
All right, we're going to wrap things up there, ladies, unless anyone's got anything else to chuck into the pile. I just want to end by saying that our worst fear has come true on the podcast. Did you know there are now two Zlatan Ibrahimovic's? Yes. What? Oh His waxwork model has been revealed and he's been pictured with it. And a lot of headlines going with the one to the right is made of wax and the one to the left is made of steel. Surprise! <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's not made of ego. Yeah, exactly. I thought, I thought we'd just throw that in because we like an Ibrahimovic mention. I just want to do an and finally, as they sometimes do at the end of a news programme when there's something funny that happened. Obviously, the whole podcast is thoroughly yeah. hilarious throughout. Um, but as, as obviously three females in a predominantly female team that work on this, what about the mums, the 30 mums who trained to become stewards in a bid to stop violence at a football match just at the weekend? A Brazilian football club, Recife, genuinely employed the mothers to act as stewards to discourage supporters from fighting. I read this in The Guardian. I thought it was a really funny story. I was like, oh, this probably didn't really happen, did it? No, it actually did. And um, the uh, vice president of Ogilvy, a PR company who dreamt up an idea, of course, said at the end of the day, no one wants to fight in front of a mother, especially his own. And it was one of the most peaceful games that had ever been played between these two teams where there had been previous trouble before. So there you have it. I just quite like that. I thought it was very funny. A bit of finger wagging, odd tut. I love yeah, a tut. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would love Ibrahimovic's mum to be on the sidelines, wouldn't you? Just putting him into his place. Probably the only person that could do that. So rather than send them to the dressing room, they'll probably send them to their bedroom. If you don't behave on that football pitch, you're going straight up to your room when you get home, young man. Uh, that rounds things off for today. We've got a grassroots special out this week, folks, and it features England and Arsenal legend Martin Keown, amongst uh, several other interesting grassroots discussions so check out the grassroots podcast that's out very soon and don't forget the website relaunch as well offsiderulepodcast.com don't forget you can follow us on twitter at offsiderulepod and head over to facebook as well and give us a like thanks very much for listening and we'll see you soon bye bye the offside rule we get it is brought to you by continental tires sports social podcast network It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.